Positive. These are your hosts, Mari and MD. We're going to be talking about kink and how the BDSM community sort of overlaps and does it overlap with the queer community. Um, for people who don't know, although I really don't know how you wouldn't know, but BDSM is um, it's an umbrella term, and it's really dependent on the person who identifies with that term, what that term encompasses. So. The usual interpretation is that it's it involves bondage, um, dominance and submission, and sadomasochism. That can include basically anything from, uh, you know, your usual spanking, flogging, rubber fetishes. Um, some people role play as animals in the bedroom. Um, some people like getting extreme piercings and tattoos. Some people cross dress. So. All of those things can be included under the term. And uh, fun fact, the term was apparently first recorded online in 1991. Really? I mm -hmm. thought it was older than that. Apparently. I mean, that was the first kind of recorded um, usage mm -hmm. on Usenet in 1991. Okay. And so the, the, the term also kink or everything that's kinky is... There's an, I mean, is that a, a complete synonym? I'm not entirely sure because people really put different significance in that I, kind of words. I think for like the layperson who isn't part of the BDSM community, kink, like when something is kinky, it's a little lighter. You know what I mean? Like kinky can be something like tickling your partner without having this sort of dominance aspect to it. Whereas BDSM, it just sounds really heavy and yeah. people usually avoid that word like the plague. Mm. Yeah, kinky. Um, I mean, that's that's why I understand it. Kinky is a little bit less yeah. extreme. Yeah, but also, you know, kinky can be casual. Whereas when you think um, like actual BDSM, going through the motions of what that entails, it has to be safe, sane, and consensual, which is kind of the staple rule of, of all BDSM. Um, and it's um, the, the the people who engage in it. Uh, no matter what what position they're in, they have to be they have to consent and they have to be completely aware of what's what may happen to them. Uh, they need to understand mm -hmm. that there are certain risks involved in whatever kind of play they engage in, uh, both physical and psychological. Um, yeah. And of course, and, and yeah, and, and they also always have the ability to stop everything yes. at yeah. any time. And of course, um, the origin of the, the word sadomasochism that comes from uh, many, many years ago, from Marquis de Sade, from um, Zachary Mazok, from eventually Freud, who <laughs> described uh, yeah. those terms in his uh, three essays on the theory of sexuality, and he considered them diseases, uh, complexes. Yeah, and, but yeah, they, yeah, and they were supposed to be... Yeah. Um, disorders that had to be cured uh, but also Freud at least at one point thought that um, any uh, female orgasm that wasn't vaginal whatever that means um, wasn't normal so or was signed that you weren't fully developed so yeah he wasn't really an expert on sexuality well nevertheless <laughs> I mean when you look at the DSM-5 you still see like 
um, sadomasochism as a disorder, of course, for, for you to be diagnosed with a disorder, you have to be distressed or cause other people distress. But the fact that that, yeah. that is still in there, it does kind of show that there are certain remnants of history in, yeah, in, in which those kinds of behaviors are still pathologized in a way. It's still, yeah, it's still also, yeah, even though there's, today it's about if you're unhappy about, if there's an impairment and then there's, there's but there, there's a very um, clear distinction that has to be made between consensual practices and impulses that wouldn't be consensual. Yeah. Uh, uh, like between uh, agreeing on a certain, like, you know, playing with pain and actually getting off on inflicting pain on someone who isn't consent who hasn't consented to it yeah it's very 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 different and yes in the second case there when there's no consent we can talk about disorders yeah you know since you brought it up it's also kind of a common misconception among people especially i remember when 50 shades of gray first came out it was like all about pain, mm-hmm. you know, it's all about beating, it's all about kind of this domineering domineering thing when in reality the people who actually engage in kinky activities are they talk about um BDSM being more than pain. It's it's about trust. It's about um receiving pleasure from places where let's say regular people don't. Um mm-hmm. And it's it's also about um, giving up control. If in your life, for example, you have too yeah. much of it, which is kind of a it's it's a stereotype, but it's quite common that people do that. And um, when it comes to to the experience, first of all, I want to mention some sort of demographics. And I found a very interesting study that kind of encompasses everything that I want to talk to uh, to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is from two thousand eight, so it's a little old. But almost 2% of sexually active people, more men than women, said that they have been involved in BDSM in the previous year. And it's more common among gay, lesbian, and bisexual people than straight people, which, I mean, not surprising, but we'll get to that later. Um, however, there is my question for the study is that how do you define BDSM? Because for every person it's different. But nevertheless, the people who said that they had engaged in BDSM, they were also more likely to have experienced oral and anal sex. Uh, to have had more than one partner in the past year, to have had sex with someone other than their regular partner, and to have had taken part in phone sex, visited an internet sex site, I assume porn site, viewed an X-rated film or video, used a sex toy, had group sex, or taken part in manual stimulation of the anus, fisting, or rimming. But they were no more likely to have been coerced into sexual activity and were not significantly more likely to be unhappy or anxious. And men who had engaged in BDSM scored very low on the scale of psychological distress than other men so which means that engagement in bdsm has nothing to do with being abnormal or depressed or anxious or any kind of disturbed um in layman's terms so this this myth about kink being related to childhood trauma to you know being somehow you know for the lack of a better term mentally disordered Yes, it can happen, but it's not common. And it's actually um, there's, there has been a, uh, there's some studies with uh, with the correlation between um, BDSM practices or kinky practices and actually being feeling like generally more satisfied about your life and 
and perceived well-being that is would be higher than the rest of the population. Yeah. And there's kind of a reason, there's a physiological reason for BDSM. There's a very interesting article that we will link uh, in the comment to this, uh, to this podcast. Basically, what people, of course, there are very few studies on BDSM because it's still a more, um, it is a taboo subject still. There are more studies coming out. Um, the bottom line, though, is that this, th- th- these kinds of practices, they aim to increase relationship closeness. However, um, cortisol, the stress hormone, it rises when people engage in this kind of activity. And uh, there is kind of a disconnect between this idea of becoming, you know, high on pain or high on whatever that's happening and the fact that you're actually stressed out. So that's a very interesting uh, disparity to study. And there, there was a study in 2003 um, and there's another study under review that basically says that whether you're a top or a bottom, your physiological and neurological response to being in a scene will be different, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. So uh, Dietrich from 2003 says that bottoms enter an altered state called transient hyperfrontality, which is associated with reduced pain, this feeling of floating, being peaceful, um, mindful kind of feelings. Uh, and time distortions, and then tops, they enter the state known as a flow, which um, adds to, to more, more focus to your attention, makes you lose self-consciousness, and increases your task performance, which when you think about it is very logical, you know, when you mm-hmm. are a top in a scene that requires being attentive to your, uh, your sub's needs, you're going to want to have these kinds of focused, focused responses. Yeah, and it's and it's like the type of uh, response that athletes also experience. Yeah, kind of like uh, a runner's high for the with the bottoms and extreme concentration. Yeah, yeah, it's generally more a flow type of thing for athletes. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, and and uh, and close to some meditative states actually for bottoms. Yeah. Um, do we need to uh, define what tops and bottoms are? I'm pretty sure it's self-explanatory. Yeah. And and the same can be said for doms and subs. You know, the dominant and the submissive. There are people who do both. They're called switches. It's kind of uh, pretty straightforward. I found statistics. I'm not sure how legit they are because they come from the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom. I've never heard of this organization before. <laughs> but um, the survey found that 35% of kinksters identify as bisexual compared to around the like, 2 to 3% rate in the overall population. So this is interesting because, again, the way um, certain BDSM communities are is that they are quite open uh, in, terms of the, in terms of um, sexual relationships not being exclusive. So, of course, there is more of a chance to have a partner of a different gender. However... Mm-hmm. A study that I found, I think it's from 1999 or, or the year 2000, said that um, most BDSM, most people in the BDSM community actually see themselves as pansexual mm-hmm. because the gender of the partner does not really matter when, when it comes to, to, this kind of, um, to this kind of pleasure. However, the same study also found that it was much easier for women in the BDSM community to identify as pansexual rather than men, because it is more acceptable, or at least was at the time of that the study was made, it was more acceptable for women to play with women 
rather than straight men to play with straight men. I mean, there's nothing here. Uh, yeah, it's not new. new. It's not new. Yeah. It's not revolutionary in any way. That's yeah. That sexuality between two women is less threatening. Yeah. That that two having sex. Yeah. It's it's, it's less abnormal. But I think also of. here the conversation needs to happen uh, again about what what kind of activities you engage in because a lot of BDSM activities actually don't involve orgasms per se or they don't involve mm-hmm. sex you know some people just yeah. go to a dungeon because they want a flogging or they want to experiment with i don't know electricity or whatever and that does not necessarily evoke sexual responses so if a straight man asks a straight dom to do these kinds of things to him does that make him gay if there is no sexual response, is that BDSM? I think so. I think it's possible, and people say that it's possible. I think it takes someone who is very committed to the lifestyle and someone who really has these kind of physiological responses to do these kinds of things without getting sexual gratifica- gratification. But also, mm-hmm. if that means... I was, I was watching a YouTube video um, from BuzzFeed, and... Uh, it was it was about the, one of the journalists went to uh, a dungeon um, and asked to spend twenty four hours there to see how it works. And one of the one of the men involved was a house slave um, for seventeen years for the, the the dominatrix that was in the video. Mm-hmm. And he said that he really doesn't do it for pain's sake, and if he's suffering for his mistress, it's okay. So it's really like it's it's a relational thing and it's a thing that that has to do with trust and closeness I think more so than necessarily sexuality. I mean I'm not saying that sex can't happen. I'm sure that it does a lot. Um but it's not the central thing. When it becomes something that is not just about sex and it becomes a relationship thing. I mean it can if it can work and if the people are really consenting to it it's fine but i think that the i mean maybe not a well-informed reaction but it's to to think that your consent is not as informed as free as you'd want it to be when once it starts to to become something that is outside of tax and it becomes a real relationship dynamic i mean that's why usually people who enter these kinds of relationships they have contracts and it sounds a little rigid and and you know weird i guess to um to people who have regular relationships but you know if it's a good ds relationship and if both people are committed these kinds of boundaries have to be negotiated and renegotiated and renegotiated the only difference between that and a regular relationship is that these things are actually in writing and they probably involve a lot more um, leather. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it really depends on the couple. And I think it takes, not only does it take a lot of commitment and a lot of um, dedication from the sub, but you also, as a dom, a person has to be very responsible and responsible enough for two people, which is something not a lot of people can do. Most people I know can't even be responsible for themselves. So. It takes a very secure, healthy person to be able to do that. 
Um, and I think the pressure is on both partners for sure. Um, yeah. or, or all partners, I guess, because I'm sure that there are polyamorous relationships um, mm. there as well. So my, my question is, do you think uh, if, if one is a bisexual person um, in the DS community, do you think their level of adventurousness will change depending on the gender of their partner? Mm. That's a good question. I mean, my, I, I, yeah. my, my first impulse would be to say it depends on the person, not their gender. And, but it also has more specifically to do with biological sex and the way human bodies respond, mm. I think. But does gender play a role? I think you can't completely, you can completely um, ignore both biological uh, facts and also the, the the social context and there are power dynamics between genders and and I don't think they and I I, I know that at least for me it does change things changes uh, it does change things in how it relates to to different genders like the social environment. The, the 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 dynamics and therefore also in when you play with that uh in the bedroom or in your relationship of course it's going to 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 play a role in a way or another mm. and and also yes there's a biological fact that we are and i think in thinking about it it's also very cultural because my my i had i had that question is that can you really Top the dominant when you are the one being penetrated. It's not something that is, I'd say, culturally congruent. I think you can completely, but there's here again some kind of internalized beliefs to decon deconstruct at some point. Yeah. And it's interesting that you mentioned that because, you know, I, I started thinking about this. Like, I as a woman, would I be more comfortable submitting to a man or a woman, given the, cult the, the, the cultural, you know, whatever gender dynamics that exist? And I really don't know, because on the one hand, um, there is this idea that sometimes I find myself falling victim to, is that a man is the protector. Like, not the master, not <laughs> never the master, but the protector in the relationship. And that's something that I've thought before. Um, and something that I can see myself thinking and playing with in the bedroom. However, also as, as a woman, I wouldn't want necessarily to give a man this much power over me. So it's interesting to think about these things. And I think it comes down to really finding out what your values are before you go into this kind of thing. Because if you, at any moment you find yourself feeling uncomfortable, it's not going to be fun anymore. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's uh, just the protection thing. It's interesting that you say that, you're saying that, because actually, if you think of it like biologically, mm -hmm. you know, we're animals, we're mammals. And who's actually protecting others? It's a female protecting yes. the, 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 their, uh, their offsprings. So yeah, I, actually men are uh, males biologically, uh, like we'd say hunt, uh, have the strength, but the protector would be more the female. 
Okay, that's that's also a very interesting, a very interesting uh, position to take, and I can see that that happening as well. And I think, you know, when when we we we've gone through centuries and centuries of of men, um, cis men being dominant in the bedroom, in family life, whatever. I mean, it's still happening. I'm I'm saying like yeah. it's over. It's not over. Oh, no. Um, no, it's never over. Um, but um, there is this classical idea, I guess, now it's become a classical sort of um, trope of the female dominatrix that mm-hmm. men want to be trampled on and walked over in high heels and stuff. It's still highly sexualized. It's clearly there for, not necessarily for, for the female involved. It's, it's A lot of it has to do with what men find sexy um when when we talk about opposite gender couples of course but like there there's this interesting underpinning of like a man wanting to relinquish that control and wanting to be humiliated yeah it's it's uh but yeah it's it's i think it's a reaction because that this idea that the man is supposed to be the one in in control in charge or whatever Mm -hmm. it's 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 hard for men too Mm. it puts a lot of pressure and and not all men are very comfortable in that situation, mm. <laughs> and I uh, think I'm pretty sure there are a lot of women who are comfortable in that situation, and a lot of men who aren't. Mm. Um, so it's, um, but I think it's part of, of still the same thing that is the experience when you're when you are you are bisexual is that you kind of have to deconstruct all of this yeah. to be happy with your identity and your sexuality and make sense of multiple attractions. Yeah, absolutely. and maybe even multiple relationships, but it, yeah, and that's that's part of the experience. So it's not easy, but it's very interesting. Yeah, and I think I, I, I think the same can be said for other um, non, say non gay straight gay straight and, and lesbian people involved mm-hmm. in the BDSM community. Because when you think about it, like you know the entire bi spectrum, trans people. Even some asexual people who do engage in DS activities, not for sexual pleasure, but for the pleasure of dominance or submission. So, like, there are so many things at play there when you think about gender dynamics and, and, and sexuality dynamics and basically even, like, basic human biology. Not, I'm not talking about genitalia necessarily. I'm talking about the fact that women, biological females in general, have more erogenous zones and they're more accessible and -hmm. those can be played with Mm -hmm. so there are so many things that one has to consider and i'm sure that a lot of people don't consider them uh maybe it works for them but i think that if i were to ever engage with that community seriously not casually in the bedroom but seriously i would probably overthink it a lot yeah i think that there there might be something that is natural or not you know yeah, a good feeling up for you. I think it's one thing to experiment. It's one thing to go kinky in the bedroom, and and it's another to really go into the community. Yeah, it has to feel natural. It has to be a good fit. You know, it has to make okay. That's that's how I identify. It. That works. How that's what works for me. Yeah, a little bit when you come out and you find a level that works for you. Yeah, absolutely. It has to really resonate with you. And uh, since, okay, to, to, to finish up, and since you brought it up, um, do you think 
the BDSM community should be considered part of the LGBTQ plus community? I have no idea. I think that it's uh, it's uh, it's still very interesting to meet with people who have this experience of seeing life differently because you don't have a choice. Um, I don't know enough about the actual BDSM experience and people who would need that experience. Um, so I don't. I I really don't know. I just I just find that it's very interesting to have this different perspective, like meeting people who have different perspective on life and who can bring another level of understanding what it is to be a human being. I'm going very deep there, but it's actually really the experience that I do have working with square clients that, you know, you have to question things. You yeah. have no choice there. So you really can, you really touch really profound, some, sometimes uh, existential things. And, and you, you, yeah, you learn a lot working with them, interacting with them. So I think it's always interesting not to be close to other people who have this experience of seeing life differently. Yeah. Not in the norm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, in any case, you know, existential musings aside, the both of these communities overlap a lot. You know, we've talked about pansexuality in the in the BDSM community. We've talked about you know, there's there's bears who are kind of considered to be a little bit on the leather spectrum. I guess. I mean, there's there's a lot of overlap, and there's I think very similar stigma when it comes to to both uh, the idea of alternative sexualities, the idea of doing things that aren't quote-unquote natural so when i think when facing the mainstream the bdsm community and the lgbtq plus community have a lot in common um mm -hmm. so it would be interesting to to study that overlap more and to see how how these things can interact and and boost each other in a way yeah yeah all right well if you have any interesting input especially on you know being a letter in the lgbtq plus um uh, what's the word? <laughs> I don't know. The acronym? Acronym. Thank you. I don't speak English today either. Uh, well, and, and being kinky, something that we haven't discussed, um, like, you know, being trans or being ace or anything at all, please do drop us a message on Twitter. Otherwise, we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.